to Gender Troubles. I'm Emma. I'm alone today. Eva's not with me, um, but I am just going to do a little quick mini episode and I'm going to talk about the waves of feminism because we've mentioned it in a few of our episodes and for those of you that maybe don't know, you might be curious, so I'm just going to give you a brief overview. In academia, feminist history is typically framed through the waves and there's either three or four depending on who you ask and these are like waves in history of feminist thought and activism and writing and each change of wave marks a, a major change or a major uh, finding or or a major shift in feminist thought and the waves are controversial and this is going to be a very brief synopsis of what is generally thought to be the various waves of feminism. Um, each wave of feminism encompasses several decades of, of thought and activism. And you could, you know, do several episodes each on each indiv- individual wave um, because they are so like diverse and, and rich. Uh, but for the purpose of this episode, I'm just going to give you a brief, a brief history a little rundown. So as we discussed in the first episode, uh, the first wave uh, began as early as the late 1700s, but is typically seen as occurring between the 19th and early 20th century. This wave of feminism, feminism was led by upper middle class women, white women, who wanted the right to vote, i.e. suffrage. And they wanted to own property and attend educational institutions. And they purposefully occluded women of color from the fight. And they were very classist. And their platforms often relied on eugenics. So the second wave of feminism began in the mid-20th century and focused on things like reproductive rights and abortion, the accessibility of rape crisis centers, women's shelters, and issues like domestic violence and marital rape. Uh, So coming at the heels of World War II, when many women had entered the workplace and workplaces that were not traditionally open to women, the second wave of feminism also focused on issues of patriarchal domination in the workplace and in institutions and in culture more generally. And many internal feminist disputes erupted during this time in relation to issues such as pornography and sex work. So this is when you saw the like pro-sex work and pro-porn and the anti-porn and anti-sex work feminist emerge. And then in the beginning in the 1980s, uh, we saw the third wave of feminism emerge. And this is typically seen as the advent of intersectional feminism, which is a very hype term that I'm sure you've heard. So you're not a feminist unless you're an intersectional feminist nowadays. And this term was introduced by Kimberly Crenshaw. And Crenshaw is an African-American lawyer, activist, scholar, and philosopher. And in her 1991 article, Mapping the Margins, Intersectionality, Identity Politics, and Violence Against Women of Color, Crenshaw focused on how, quote, the experiences of women of color are frequently the product of intersecting patterns of racism and sexism, end quote. So previously throughout feminist history, the inclusion of issues faced by black women had been denied or ignored by popular feminism, as it was believed to take something away from the fight for gender equality. So, you know, issues faced by black women were seen as like a distraction to the real problem, which was the patriarchy. Uh, And therefore, you know, these 
calls for you know the inclusion of issues that were faced by black women specifically were were left out so in the third wave of feminism authors like audrey lord and patricia hill collins and bell hooks and kimberly crenshaw came to the forefront of feminist thought and i'll include a bunch of their texts in the reading list what came from this was intersectional feminism the idea that we are all occupying various intersections of privilege and oppression so for example yes i am a woman and have faced gender violence in my lifetime but i've never faced the oppression and specific experience of a racialized woman so this whole idea expanded feminist thought to consider how the experience of gender converses with the experience of race or culture or immigration status or ability or class or sexuality etc and then depending on who you ask some will say that we are in the fourth wave right now and it is still being defined and it's kind of loose so what most scholars can agree upon is that a thing that defines the fourth wave is the advent of the internet and using that for feminist pursuits. Um, and they most generally reference the Me Too movement. Obviously, we could do a whole episode on Me Too. But in a nutshell, yeah, the way feminism and the internet converse and have aided each other, I guess. Um, and I also think this is often left out by a lot of scholars, but I think that like gender identity is a marker of the fourth wave. Um, our conception of gender and the proliferation of thought around gender as on a spectrum versus in the binary, I think is a marker of fourth wave feminism. Judith Butler published Gender Trouble in 1990, which is our namesake. Please don't sue us. Uh, So that officially makes it part of the third wave. But I think there's something to say about how transgender and gender nonconforming and two-spirit and non-binary authors like Dean Spade and Coley Driscoll have come to the forefront of feminist thought in the 2010s and onward. And feminism has become synonymous with justice for genders that exist outside the binary. So what is the problem with conceiving of feminism within these waves? I guess... The main problem is that it's just a bit too neat and tidy, and history is never neat and tidy. I think the problem with the waves is that they typically leave out a lot of women and limit feminist history to what has been happening in Western Europe and North America especially. There are feminists from 15th century India, and there is indigenous feminism that existed long before colonization, but their history hasn't necessarily been recorded and remembered in the canon. So it's important to critique the canon and think critically about whose stories have been recorded and why, who has made it into a feminist wave and why. It is a bit reductive to delegate a whole school of thought into three or four waves, especially ones that happened in North America and Western Europe. It's very Eurocentric and it occludes many stories. So to say that feminism only exists within these waves leaves out a lot of voices. It can also limit each wave to a few simple points like what I've done here and that ignores the vast variance in thought and opinion that has existed throughout the decades of feminist thought no wave can really be reduced to a few select points although it often is Um, so I mean I have summarized them for you because this is how feminism is obviously often spoken about especially in academia but it is really reductive to just 
break it down to a few select points and say that, you know, first wave, wave feminism was really defined by suffrage. Because, yes, it was, but there was also um, a, a huge variance in, in opinion and thought. And there were, you know, like women for fascism groups and for the first wave and, you know, all kinds of, of divergent opinions and voices uh, for so-called women's causes during this time. So, yeah, it just it's a bit too neat and tidy and it ignores a lot and prioritizes certain voices while leaving out others. So thank you for joining me for this mini episode on the feminist waves. I hope that this is informative and maybe when we do mention a certain wave, you have a better idea of what we're speaking about. And also you can think critically and problematize that. Um, we'll be back next week with Eva, who will speak to us about the history of Planned Parenthood. And until then, see you later.